Poole Couch Podcast is a weekly conversation with Dr. Lakeitha Poole, a licensed professional counselor in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, about all things mental health and personal growth. The Emerald Couch Podcast is the go-to pop site dialogue for self-help, good laughs, and real talk. This podcast is not meant to be a substitute for seeking support from a licensed mental health professional and is for educational and entertainment purposes only. For more information about counseling and therapeutic services, or for assistance in connecting with a therapist in your area, visit our website at www.smalltalkcounseling.com. Let's start the show. Welcome back to another episode of The Emerald Couch. This is your host, Dr. Lakeitha Poole, and I want to thank you for tuning in this week, and thank you for always continuing to listen and to support. You all are so awesome, um, and we appreciate you so much for staying tuned in and staying engaged. Um, I do want to switch gears a little bit today, and we're actually calling this a mini-sode because I want to offer a little bit of a moment of transparency. Um, and also just an expression of um, sympathy for some things that are going on here in my own community. And so um, you all know all of the information about how to find us, how to connect. Um, so I'm not going to do all of that this week. I really just want to get right to today's episode um, as it's going to go a little bit different, um, just a different direction for this week. So we're just going to hop right into it. Um, this is our episode 25. And while I know that many of our listeners are located all over the country um, and sometimes even the world, because when you guys travel, you listen to, which we love, um, I particularly want to address my Baton Rouge, LSU, um, and Southern University family this week to offer support, encouragement, and guidance, um, in particular as we process the loss of Mr. Wade Sims. Um, Wade was a beloved student-athlete at Louisiana State University. He was a 20-year-old junior and member of the LSU basketball team. And while all of those things describe parts of his identity, he was so much more than that. Um, for many of you who have been following the news surrounding his untimely death, you've seen the amount of love and unwavering support from the entire community um, and really the sports world at large, um, all of which have described his vibrant and playful personality, his kind heart. Um, he had an infectious smile that was amazing um, and consistent willingness to just help um and, and be a good person and a good friend. And so his life is definitely just a loss to this world. And we obviously want to keep his parents and family and teammates and friends in our thoughts and prayers during this difficult time. And so, of course, we dedicate this week's episode to him in honor of his, his legacy and his life um, and also to them, to his family, just as a sign of unified um, support. And we will love and miss him forever. So obviously I had prepared, you know, a much different topic to discuss this week, but I think it's very important to always be transparent about what our daily life experiences are like and how they relate to maintaining our overall mental health and wellness. And so we've talked on the show uh, earlier this year about 
death and dying and the fact that it's often a taboo topic that lots of people avoid and don't really want to talk about. But in all honesty, it impacts us all. And even myself as a clinician and somebody who talks with people all the time about their own experiences of going through this, um, we're human. And so we have our own personal connections um, to what death and loss um, and grief looks like. And so this situation for me has been both personally and professionally challenging. And I think that it's important um, for me to be transparent as a mental health clinician, as an educator um, of other future mental health clinicians. And then of course, just as a person and as a citizen of a place that I live um, about tragic events like this, particularly when they're connected to violence. And so um, I think I would you know, be doing a disservice to have this platform and not um, make room to talk about it and maybe even just remind folks of things we've talked about on this show in the past um, because we all feel this, we all go through it. So, you know, we know that it's extremely tough losing somebody, especially someone you're close to or that you consider maybe, you know, to just be young and vibrant and have their whole lives ahead of them. And, you know, they, when things happen, we have a really hard time trying to understand the why behind them and Um, That's a part of that grief process. And so in those times, for sure, we definitely have to lean on our personal values, our faith, um, and find ways to be able to move forward, but also um, to continue to go through that process at our own pace, because that looks very different for everyone. And so I thought, you know, just to be able to kind of help with what lots of people may be feeling, um, it might be useful to chat briefly again about grief and about loss, uh, particularly as it pertains to mental health and maintaining your, your well-being um, and, and go back over some of those stages that uh, particularly many of us in this community um, here in Baton Rouge are feeling, but also those of you who are listening from all over. Um, and if you've experienced this before, then you know, but if you haven't, just to be able to have an understanding um, of how to support maybe folks in your life who may go through this. And so um Earlier in the year, I think it was maybe back in June, uh, we talked about the five stages of grief and um, actually gave you seven because there are two that are not necessarily debatable, but are a part of that process for lots of people, but may not be a part of that process for everyone. And um, I just want those to be more so tools to help kind of just frame and identify what many of us are feeling, but also recognize that they're not like markers on this like very straightforward timeline of what grief looks like. Um, Grief goes in cycles, it pauses, it goes backwards, um, it starts over. And so just being able to have an understanding and and maybe a reminder about what those are. And so um, the main five stages that I talked about before were denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Um, You know, and these are sort of the, the key elements that make up our learning and how we choose to live with what we've lost really and go through that process of understanding what that can look like for us so that um, it doesn't catch us off guard but again they look very different in different people and also happen at different points for different people Um, and so to give maybe just a little bit insight of of what these can look like I'm gonna maybe review just what each of those stages are. And I'll add those other two in that we talked about um, before, because I think, again, they just 
even though maybe not formalized or definitely uh, visible in this experience. And so the first of sort of the seven stage model, which is the Kubler-Ross model, is just that shock and that initial sort of thought of just hearing bad news. I know for myself, um, for me, literally felt like the wind was taken out of me and hearing um, the news of what has happened on, uh, on in our community this week. But for sure, for lots of people, um, people can describe this as feeling numb, um, feeling checked out, confused, um, in pain even. So even physical pain and sort of not knowing where and why um, that's happened. And so shock is one of those stages that's a part of the model, but not necessarily always considered formal. Um, denial is just trying to avoid, you know, what we know to be true and really telling ourselves that, you know, it's not and, and being in a place where we uh, maybe won't consider that what has happened has actually happened and trying to um, sort of think around that per se. Anger is, is just what you think it is, you know, being frustrated, um, having those maybe bottled up emotions finally emerge and having to, you know, deal with that and, and have a place for that to go um, and almost pour out of you sometimes and, you know, just really being upset about the loss and, and feeling cheated, um, like a lot of people tend to do. Bargaining, so seeking a way out of the situation. So finding ways to sort of think about, you know, if, if you had done something different, could the outcome have been different? If you had said something, would that have changed things? And um, all of us tend to do that as well. And, and in all honesty, it probably adds more um, to the next stage, which is being, you know, depressed and sad about it because that happens in vain. You know, bargaining is a way for us as the person that still gets to be here um, to sort of find a way to manage our emotions. But um, in actuality, it's almost setting us up a little bit um, to be more disappointed, but then also to turn sort of something that's external to us that's happened um, internal and then start to feel guilt and blame and regret in a way that definitely would not honor our loved ones. And so just thinking about what that looks like when that phase maybe hits. Depression is, of course, just the final realization of the inevitable and that it is true and that you have lost someone and, um, you know, that they are gone physically forever and being able to sort of just kind of let that sink in and allow that to realize, uh, allow yourself to realize that um, it's happened and that it's true and being able to then feel the sadness and the loss and the grief um, and the pain of what that really feels like. Testing is, again, one of those additional stages, sort of this thinking you can, you know, just find like a realistic solution that maybe um, feels more practical and, and trying to uh, distract ourselves. Sometimes we do that, you know, we keep ourselves busy to not think about something. We find ways to sort of um, push aside what's happened and, and create room for things that really more than likely aren't important and, and we just kind of um, really try to find solutions to something that, um, again, we didn't cause and yet we also can't necessarily fix um, immediately. And then the last and final stage is acceptance and just really finding that way to move forward, really thinking differently about how to create um, internal peace um, and understanding of the change that's happened. And that's not to say you ever forget that person or the impact that they had in your life or um, what they've left behind for you to remember, but you also then at that point find a way to continue on 
um, still, you know, honoring them, still remembering them, but also being able to to move forward. And so, um, as always, I think this is just a useful tool and being able to understand the emotions we all experience and, and kind of just having the vocabulary and the language um, to put with what we might be feeling, knowing that there are stages makes the grieving process feel more normal. Um, nothing about it feels right, but it, it at least makes us feel not isolated or alone in how we feel or in what we feel. So just to put those back on your memory, um, I hope that that is useful. One of the other concepts that I just really wanted to talk about, because I've been thinking a lot about this just with this week's events, um, is this idea of like community grief. And maybe about a year ago, um, maybe a little more than a year, but back in 2017, um, I read an article in the Huffington Post um, that was entitled Grieving in Community. And this idea of, you know, how grief actually connects all of us, even through the pain, there is very much a collective experience around grief. And actually in many cultures um, outside of the U.S., grief is a collective um, tradition or, or, or experience um, for people within the community. And so, you know, the irony around this situation is that literally all parts are the, the major parts of what make this place that we live in, um, what all of us imagine it to be, are connected by this scenario. You know, so Baton Rouge itself as a city, um, with Wade being a, a local kid from here, grew up here, went to high school here, was at LSU, um, and then being a current LSU student, and then obviously the incident that led to his untimely death being um, near Southern University's campus as a part of all of the wonderful festivities surrounding um, their homecoming this weekend. And so just being able to recognize that everybody involved um, has a right to sort of have grief around their community being affected, and we all feel this. And so being able to sort of think about this idea of grieving in community helps us hopefully to see that, you know, it can also have the power to redefine and reshape our connection to one another. When we honor grief as as a community, you know, we leave room for personal and individual growth as well and pain as well, but it allows us to really redefine who we are. Um, and we've heard that a lot in all of the um, press conferences and, and reports that have come out locally um, that, you know, this is a chance for us to, to, to shift our culture in a city that we live in and that we love um, and to be able to change it. And so, you know, sometimes we kind of ruin this by putting a timestamp on grief and saying, you know, well, let me grieve myself by myself um, when actually there's a lot of healing and validation and grieving, particularly in grieving in community. And so um, I just wanted to put that idea out there. Obviously, um, I am not a part of law enforcement or the legal system, um, and I'm in higher education, but I also know this is much bigger than that. It's bigger than athletics. Um, it's bigger than sport in general. Um, it's, it definitely comes down to being able to have an understanding of who we are as people and respecting each other as people and loving each other as people and being able to give um, room to to do that and to, to grow from this, um, not only for ourselves, but obviously to honor uh, Wade's legacy. And so just being able to uh, create some space in this week's episode for that. Um, like I promise, it won't be long. That's why I call it a mini-sode. But just to offer people some sign of, of comfort, because I think we all feel different things about this, um, but also to be able to lean on each other, support one another 
as we go through um, something like this. And so be able to remember those stages that we're all feeling. Um, For those of you who are my mental health clinicians who are listening as well, because I know lots of you do, uh, making sure you're taking care of yourselves. Obviously, this is something I'm um, trying very, very hard to do and making sure that I'm paying attention to what my physical, mental, and emotional needs are as well. And um, leaning on your support systems, leaning on your uh, faith, if that's a part of your identity, and just being able to give yourself um, what you need in order to care for other people. People always use the phrase, you can't pour from an empty cup. And it's so true because of the fact that, you know, you give a lot all the time. But when situations like this happen, where maybe you also are a part of the community that's grieving, you almost have to be even more sensitive to that and, and be more attentive to the things that you need. And so I know that I'm doing that as well. And I hope that anyone listening, um, whether you're a part of this community or beyond that, and you have sort of things going on in your own community that you you are mindful of that. So I just wanted to take a time to do that. Um, I'm going to wrap up this week's episode here. I'm not going to do any pop psych moment of the week or small talk bookshelf. We'll get back to things as normal, hopefully on next week for next week's episode. But I just wanted to spend some time to do that and dedicate again this show to the life of Wade Sims, to everything that he represented, everything that his family raised him to be, um, because he was truly that. And I hope that we can all uh, walk in his footsteps and being someone who cares about others um, and willing to do anything to protect and love on someone. So thank you all again, as always, for tuning in. I appreciate you so, so much. I'm excited that we're kicking off the month of October. Um, It's fall. There's lots going on. Um, If you haven't already, make sure you check out our fourth quarter newsletter that should have gone out. If you are not on the mailing list, you can join us and learn more um, beyond the show on what what we have going on. Um, This month kicks off several different uh, wellness awareness months and weeks as well. So everything from breast cancer awareness month to mental illness awareness week and, and everything in between. Um, So make sure you just like, follow, and subscribe to everything that we have going on. Submit your questions if you have them to the Ask Dr. LP segment um, through the website, and we will make sure to answer those when we pick back up on next week. I hope you all have a wonderful week. Take care of each other, love on each other, and we'll see you right back here on the Emerald Couch.